What's up, everybody? Coming to you from the Sweet Bee Studios. This is the greatest show on dirt. What's up? How is everybody doing? I am Quentin. I am your host. It is January 1st, 2019. This is the first episode of the new year. So if you've made it this far and you're listening to us, thank you for listening to us last year. We really appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, you know, coming along the ride because we know sometimes we know what we're talking about and other times we don't know what we're talking about. So if you've been with us for the full year, man, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it, man and women. We really appreciate you listening to us. We are good. We're going to talk some baseball today. We're going to talk some New Year's resolution stuff. I feel like we should talk New Year game plan regarding like what the podcast is, you know, because I've, I've you know. I've put out my resolutions, man. I kind of know what I want to do. Um, I know what I want to do, like baseball-wise. Well, actually, hold on. I can share you some of my New Year's resolutions, right? So, obviously, like, I'm going to – I, I want to do more with the podcast, man. I would love to record the podcast, like, every day. Um, we're starting to line up guests for the New Year, so hopefully I can get some yahoos, some crazy baseball talkers to talk some nonsense with me. Maybe I can get some people on and they can make sense of all the craziness that I talk. That would be a huge step. Boom! Holy crap, I'm so funny, dude. But check it, man. I did actually, I wrote real quick some resolutions, man. Um, some New Year's resolutions because, you know, I'm 35. There's probably health stuff that I should probably take care of, but I also have professional stuff, you know, because I am 35 and I need to be a a professional human being, if at all possible, you know, if I could make some better decisions, it would be great for everybody in my life, including myself, so check this out, so New Year's resolution number one, now I think this one is super, super important, and I think without it, all of our lives will go down the drain, so the first one I'm about to read, I think we can all benefit from and that is to watch more baseball while at work. Now, here's the thing, man. When you've got a baseball podcast like me, or if you're listening to the podcast and baseball is your life, you know, our employers, they want to take our lives away. You know, we go in, we work, the daily grind. We sit in the most boring meetings in the world. We shuffle through paperwork. I don't want to do any TPS reports, right? Like, I would love to do what they did on Office Space and take the printer outside and bash it to some hardcore rap music, right? Cue up Ice Cube or NWA and let's just bash this thing, dude, because I have a printer at work. That's just ridiculous, right? But so what I'm proposing is this. Watching more baseball at work, it will do a lot of things for all of our mental health, right? Because mental health is a big thing these days. And baseball can help cure a lot of ailments, right? I think baseball is the perfect elixir, you know, baseball is Coca-Cola with cocaine in it in like the 1910s, right? It could do all kinds of good because I would go as far to say that watching baseball while at work and kind of shoving that paperwork to the side, number one, you will have a better sense of well-being if you'll take the time to watch some baseball from work. Now, on the surface, it might look like you're actually taking time away from work and your bosses are going to look at you and say, hey, man, we really need that deadline. But you have to understand this is a New Year's resolution, right, for the whole year. This um, this isn't a sprint. This is a marathon. And by taking time out, loading up MLB.com or YouTube, you know, watching Nolan Ryan's fifth no-hitter when he was an Astro when they were wearing those god-awful uniforms – or watching old clips of WWF and realizing that the Macho Man actually used to be a St. Louis Cardinal in the minor league system, those 
are things not only that can improve your sense of well-being, but I think into the new year, we need to have more intellect in our lives and more knowledge. And baseball is just a wealth of knowledge. And if you are a baseball fan, you just need to know more of it. You know, and work schmirk. Like, they can kind of back that stuff up because I also believe by stepping away from work and watching baseball, you'll actually increase your productivity at work. So you're going to need to do a few things. You know, you've got a couple monitors maybe on your work computer. So that second monitor can be for some baseball stuff. All you have to do, and I do it every day at work, I just open up a little window. I make the box kind of small so I could really quickly hit minimize if someone walks up. I put my AirPods in, and I, I just listen away to baseball, you know. I've, I've probably... I would say that's probably the resolution like I'll probably be too good at. Like I think I could cut my productivity in half and still get a paycheck. And so if you think you could cut your productivity in half and still get a paycheck, you can do it because baseball knowledge is knowledge knowledge. And you know, that's the one thing we have to realize. So for sure watch more baseball at work and do less work because we've got a baseball season coming up. And all of us, you know, listen, we need to be there for our team. Our team can't succeed unless we get on Twitter every day griping about what they're not doing well. So hopefully the GMs will hear us and make the decisions we want them to make. Now, that didn't work last year when the Cubs signed you, Darvish. So I don't really know what happened there, Theo, because I sat on my work computer and did no work for like weeks on end and you still signed you, Darvish. So if you're listening to this, just don't do anything stupid this year. And, uh, you know, that, that's for sure really all I have to say. But, you know, take some time. Go to baseball reference at work. Look at, you know, Barry Bond stats, Vlad Guerrero stats, Rock Rain stats. Maybe a couple seasons Todd Van Poppel pitched. You know, these are, these are good things that you need to do, man. So skip out of work. Do less work. Do more baseball for sure. Now, number two that I wrote, this one is also super important to me. I want to become more active. And what I've recently done to become more active is I've got a skateboard, and I've got a skateboard for Christmas. Now, today, my insurance kicked in, so I've already been out on the skateboard because today, my health insurance kicked in. Now, I predict, based on the data, that I'll probably hit my health care deductible probably in March, you know, due to broken bones, broken ribs, and things like that. But I'm super interested. I'm going to skateboard all year long. I'm going to skateboard some rails and things like that. It's going to get nasty. So if I record this podcast and you don't hear from me for a month, just know I probably am wearing a full body cast because I decided to skateboard. You know, I'm 35. I'm 6'2". I'm about 205. I don't fall like a kid anymore. You know, I'm a, I'm a bit clumsy. I am a bull in a china shop. I actually have zero balance, you know. I don't know if anyone listening to this was a high school or college athlete, but the last time in my life I was super athletic was probably when I was 18. I played no college sports, and I'm 35 now. So the math on that might be um, 18, 17 years. You would not believe the amount of balance and athleticism that has exited my body. Like, I can barely walk upstairs at this point. And, like, you know, like if I go, I go to play baseball in the summer times, and that's tricky. You know, I actually played my first round of golf ever in my whole entire life, uh, like over Christmas, the week before Christmas, golf, just plain simple golf, man, you know, we only played nine holes, you get out on the course, feel the breeze, you know, I was in Illinois, the weather was surprisingly mild, so we were pretty happy with it, but it had rained, but it wasn't raining that day, 
but I'm really, really bad at golf. You know, I had a couple people ask me. They said, Quentin, how did you do in golf? And I told them, I said, well, my socks are soaked in mud, and, you know, I've got dirt all the way up to my knees. Like, this is bad stuff because I did most of my golfing in the woods. <laughs> you know, my golfing was a mixture of where's Waldo and naked and afraid because I was freezing cold, covered in mud, deep in the woods looking for something, and it was just not going well. I probably lost half a dozen golf balls. And, like, my elbow, my right elbow hurts really bad. You know, I think I might need Tommy John surgery just from playing golf, right? And so, but I'm going to try to be more active. You know, I do have a, a soft toss pitching machine. And I'm also interested in getting a bicycle. When I was had my paper out when I was a kid, I had a GT Performer. It had a gyro front and back pegs. And, you know, um, hopefully it comes with a neck brace, too, because I'd like to get a bike and do some bike stuff, you know? So... My wife tells me I'm stupid for taking up extreme sports when I'm 35. She says this isn't the damn X Games. But, hey, you know, I might be Tony Hawk or I might be a vegetable. You know, we're not really sure yet, but we'll see where that goes. But more active, you know, for sure, skateboard, dude. I'm loving the skateboard life. But then also, I think coming into the new year, man, I want to work on, like, my improv and comedy work. You know, I took an improv class last fall. And, you know, if anyone's listening to this and they're, you know, if you guys are thinking about starting like a podcast, doing any sort of social media stuff, you know, live feeds and stuff like that, just getting into like a comedy or an improv class helps out a ton to just kind of, you know, put yourself out there. You know, this is a podcast that I'm not very good at. I'm entering, you know, my second year doing the podcast. I'm super excited to do so. But, you know, at least for me, it's super nerve-wracking to kind of put yourself out there, hit record on a mic many times when you don't have a guest, and just, like, try to create something maybe somebody might like. But I think one of the key things is to do it no matter, like, how bad, like, you think it sucks. Because to, to do something, you know, you don't have to be good at it at all. And... I think if your mentality going into it is just to have fun and, you know, come about it, um, you know, with like love and interest. And that sounds super cheesy, man. But um, last, I think it, oh shoot, it was earlier this season, actually, on the Yahoo Sports uh, podcast. Chris Archer was on there. This was before he got traded. And Chris Archer's a super cool dude. And this whole um, interview with Yahoo, he really talked about being like, you know, a black athlete, what it meant to be like that. And, you know, just really went into depth into it. And it's been a long time since I've listened to it. But one of the things Chris Archer talked about is just handling yourself with love. And, you know, sometimes that means, you know, whether it means helping people out or just creating something and eliminating your ego and trying to make it perfect and just like not being a dick. When, you know, like you're talking on Twitter sports with people and stuff like that and really just being nice to people in general. And I think a lot of times anyone who's out there that's thinking about creating a podcast or any sort of, you know, social media information when it comes to baseball or anything, if you really approach it with a sense of love to just be nice to others and create something, you can really create something that's fun and happy and, you know, might get people to laugh. And it it doesn't have to be the best thing in the world, but... Like I said, one of those resolutions I wrote down was just get into more like comedy and improv work because that helps to kind of pull your mind away from maybe like the one interest that you like, whether that be baseball or skateboards or basketball or football or just any sport, you know, whatever you would want to talk about on a podcast. It's important to take a break from those things and work on other things. And sometimes when that happens, the one thing you really want to do because your mind is taken away from it will improve, you know. 
And um, I would encourage anyone to do that that for sure wants to create, man. An improv class is one of the best things I ever did. You know, I don't know if it made the podcast any better, but, uh, you know, it, it helps me to press record and just make something, you know, and, and really I enjoy that for sure. And then I know, dude, like with like New Year's resolution crap, like I for sure have to go to the gym more. I don't want to go to the gym more. Like to me, the gym does not like it's not fun. Like I don't want to go and lift stuff, you know, like do you know when, for example, like you might have a friend that's moving into a new house and you know they're going to call you and it's just like. You're thinking in your head, like, how do I get out of helping my friend move? You know, moving is what they do in hell. Like, that's it. Like, if I die and go to hell now, I'm going to wake up in a really, like, uh, I'm going to wake up on a hot summer day in August in Illinois, and the devil himself is going to hand me a U-Haul box and say, get the loading. And that's hell. Like, that's it. That's officially hell, man. And to me, that's what the gymnasium is. It's like you go to the gym and it's just like you're helping a buddy move, man. You got to lift weights and sit down weights. And then you got to like do your legs and you got to do, your, you know, I just want to go in the gym and do bicep curls and leave. But apparently you can't do that. And to me, that's what the gym is. It's helping your dumbass friend move in the middle of August. Why does everyone move in August? It's nuts, dude. And I, I don't prefer the gym, man. But then really though, all the gym does it just makes me hungry as shit, right? So, like, I go to the gym, and I like, get a good workout in, and then I just work out this appetite. So I come home, and I'm like, ooh, I've got some more holiday Oreos and milk. Let's get after it. Ice cream sandwiches, yes, please. Like, it's the greatest thing ever, man. And, like, oh, oh I'm onto these, like, Lucky Charms, the chocolate winter Lucky Charms. Holy crap. The best cereal in the whole entire universe. I just, I get addicted to sweets when I start going to the gym. It does me no good. No good whatsoever, you know. Should I go to the gymnasium and come home and bake Toll House cookies and drink a whole gallon of whole milk with it? No, I don't think that's the point of working out. But, you know, that, that's kind of what goes on with me, man. You know, I'll work out and then kind of just stop by Wendy's or McDonald's and get like 20 pieces of chicken nuggets with sweet and sour sauce, or Chick-fil-A, dude. Like, Chick-fil-A's phenomenal, man. Um, and I'm not really much of a salad guy unless you like douse it in ranch dressing with uh, like fried chicken in it, like crispy fried chicken, so that's what I really like too. And um, hey, who doesn't like a blizzard from dairy? Oh my, I'm just making myself hungry and I haven't even been to the gym. I should shut this podcast off right now and just go eat like, I don't know, the rest of the Hershey Kisses from Christmas. Like I'm ready to just sugar up, my friends. But those are, I'll, I'll let you know how those goes. You know, I'm not really super keen on going to the gym, but I'll probably do it because I'm getting old. And, you know, I kind of want to have an age 35 and on seasons, kind of like what Barry Bonds did, maybe what Nolan Ryan did. So I guess I need to start training a little bit. You know, if I can get my hands on some steroids, I think that would probably help a little bit. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, I would like to have a great age 35 season. So we'll see what's up. But let's talk some baseball, man, some real life baseball. Let me go through my list, see what we got. Okay, so check this out. So the Hall of Fame's coming up, and the Hall of Fame's for sure, I think, one of my favorite times of the year because I just love talking Hall of Fame baseball. You know, right before this podcast started, I was shuffling through a bunch of old baseball cards. Like, I love new baseball, and I love old baseball, dude. It's one of the funnest things to reminisce on players that used to play, you know? Like, so one of the sets I just got done looking at was a set of 88 Donruss. 88 Donruss is one of my favorite looks 
of baseball cards of all time. And there's some pretty good cards in there too, man. Like I think Roberto Alomar was a rookie that year. Mark Grace was a rookie that year. There's a Nolan Ryan Astros card in there that looks good. But the design of the cards, man, it's like totally blue on the back. couple shades of blue on the front, man. You can order the sets off eBay and get a set of 88 Don Russ for not that much money right now. Maybe probably like 20 or 30 bucks you could get the set of 88 Don Russ for. And I ordered, so I never had the complete set of 88 Don Russ growing up. But I ordered it off eBay, I think probably this time last year. And when I cracked those baseball cards open, holy cow, they smelled phenomenal. Like a baseball card's the best smelling thing in the world. And that's kind of what like the Hall of Fame ballot reminds me of because you remember like all these historical baseball players that you watched when you were a little bit younger. So like, for example, like here, I'm going to tell you this. So I'm just going to read you the list of the guys like I voted for, man, because this is just the funnest thing in the world. Now, I don't get a vote, but I I put this on social media, and, and uh, the caption I had on it was, if um, MLB gave D-List Podcast the ability to vote for the Hall of Fame, here's what it would look like, because it's true, right? D-List is probably putting it good, so whatever. But either way, so you can vote for a max of 10, dude. And here are the here's what how I would vote, man, if I voted for the Hall of Fame. I've got Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Roy Halladay, Edgar Martinez, the crime dog, Fred McGriff, Mike Mussina, Mariano Rivera, Scotty Rowland, Kurt Schilling, and Larry Walker. Now, two of those names I want, I truly believe those 10 guys um, would be the Hall of Famers. Now, there are a couple notable dudes that I did not vote for because I was super super bullish on like Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland, man. Fred McGriff's on his last year of the ballot and Scott Rowland doesn't really get a whole lot of conversation about the Hall of Fame because Scott Rowland was like a pretty quiet introverted dude. So nobody really thinks of Scotty Rowland as I guess being a Hall of Famer. I've even got a buddy who's a Philly guy from Philly and I asked him about Scotty Rowland and he was just like, man, I don't think Scott's got the numbers to do it. And if you look at Scott's numbers, you might not think he has the numbers to do it. But if you do a little bit of digging, I truly believe he's a Hall of Famer. Notable guys, I think I left off that kind of tear me up a little bit. One, Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones is like a 430 home run something guy. And when people talk about Andrew Jones playing defense in center field, they compare him to Willie Mays. Andrew Jones is no doubt a top five defensive center fielder in all of baseball history and hit like 438 home runs and really had some good years. Andrew dropped off as he got older. And I don't know if it was just injuries or wear and tear, or maybe him just not taking care of himself. But Andrew Jones is, don't punch me for saying this, but I always look back at Sandy Koufax as a guy who didn't have a long career because of his injuries, but had a peak that was phenomenal. And I kind of think about that like in Andrew Jones in some sense, because when his defense was on and he was hitting, you know, mid forties in one season, he even hit like 52 home runs. Like Andrew Jones was a hell of a baseball player. And I think he runs about a 60 war. Um, But defensive wise, defense is what really gets me with Andrew Jones for sure. And then obviously, oh, I'm pretty sure I just headbutted the mic. Sorry if that sounded bad. Sammy Sosa, man. So I didn't mark Sammy Sosa on my ballot. And a lot of people got at me for that because they were like, why are you voting for Barry and Roger and not Sammy? Now, I think 
about guys. Like, I do truly look at Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire a lot differently than what I do Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens because both of those guys, just on the surface, you can really tell the impact that Barry and Roger had because they run about a 130, you know, Roger Clemens is like a 138 war, and then Barry Bonds is about a 162-game war when you get into, like, McGuire and Sosa, and they're like a 58-60 and war, right? And being part of that era, if you were really, really something to remember, I know Sosa had, like, three 60-home run seasons. McGuire hit 70 and 65. They're both, well, Mark's a 500-home run guy, and Sammy's a 600-home run guy. But if I think about this, I'm just not... I don't, they don't make the cut for me. If, if a committee wants to vote them in later on, that's totally fine. But being on steroids and being just like a 60-win player doesn't do it for me because I feel like there are a lot of hitters out there that could take the amount of steroids that Sammy and Mark took and possibly do what they did racking up a 60-war. You know, none of, the guys when they, none of the guys were great defenders. Sammy was when he was skinny. But none of the guys were great defenders. And just to have a guy that can go in there and bounce home runs, I don't. I think Sammy Sosa never led the league in war. Got second one year in 2002 when, uh, or 01, Sammy was second in war. And that was the year that Barry hit 73 home runs. But otherwise, Sammy Sosa's typical year was like a five win player on steroids. To me, I understand what he did, but. I don't look at what Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire did, and I don't look at it and say, wow, like their career front to back was just amazing because I think they were too one-dimensional, man. So, like, still, like, to look at Sammy Sosa, I'm just kind of – or like even Gary Sheffield, who had a higher war than Sammy Sosa with 100 less home runs, which is crazy. Sammy has 609 home runs, Gary 509, but Gary beat him on war by about two or three extra points. Because I would say Gary Sheffield was a better defender. I think he came up as a shortstop even. But I'm just not ready to – Mark's not on the ballot, dude. But I, I, I'm not, I don't think I would ever vote for Sammy Sosa on this ballot because I truly believe that there are 10 guys on this ballot that are Hall of Famers. And Sammy Sosa, you know, I don't think Sammy Sosa is more of a Hall of Famer than Scott Rowland. And I'll get into some of Scott Rowland's stuff, but – well, I just do it now. Uh, Scott Rowland, if you look at Scott Rowland's slash line, uh, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging, and OPS and OPS plus, those numbers compare really well to what Alex Bregman and Manny Machado are doing right now. On top of that, all-time third baseman, Scotty Rowland's eighth in war and sixth in defensive war. And a lot of writers will tell you that saw... Scott Rowland played defense a lot, that Scott Rowland was a top five defender. I even saw one writer say that the only defenders that were better than Scott Rowland at the hot corner were Mike Schmidt and Brooks Robinson. So Scott Rowland's eight gold gloves and just what he did, you know, as far as like looking at Scotty Rowland and saying, hey, eye test and statistics really like advanced analytics. Scott Rowland was a phenomenal defender. But then, you know, when we look at the offense that, like, Alex Bregman and Manny Machado put together, just know that's about what Scott Rowland's doing right now, probably with less home runs just because of the nature of baseball right now. Guys are hitting more home runs. But I do, man, compare offensively Scott Rowland to Manny Machado and Alex Bregman. And then when it comes to defense, he's just as good as those guys defensively because – 
those Alex Bregman is a phenomenal third baseman, and so is Manny Machado when he's playing at third base. And you could look at those guys right now and say, well, I could totally see Alex Bregman and Manny Machado being future Hall of Famers. And you don't really say that with Scott Rowland because Scott Rowland was an introvert. He was a quiet guy. Manny and Alex Bregman, they're not quiet guys, man. So you get all of those guys and you know them well, and you're like, damn, I could see them going to the Hall of Fame. But just realize that Scott Rowland did it, and Scott Rowland probably deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and for sure in my eyes more than Sammy Sosa does. So that's why Sammy would not get my vote. And then I also feel a really good, you know, real great about voting Fred McGriffin to the Hall of Fame if I had a real-life vote here because if it wasn't for the strike, Freddie McGriff, the crime dog, would be a 500 home run guy. He finished the season at 493, but he was supremely clutch in the postseason, helping the Braves get to back-to-back World Series in 95 and 96, helping the Braves win their only World Series in 95, and the guy racked up he, he was a clutch, clutch hitter in the postseason, dude. Like a 913 OPS in the postseason. I think like an 888 career postseason or 888 career OPS for his whole entire career. But Fred McGriff was an unbelievably clutch hitter. And when I look at Fred McGriff, it's kind of one of the reasons why Kurt Schilling gets my vote as well. Because Kurt Schilling and Fred McGriff, they were such great players when they played in the regular season, but when the postseason hit, Fred McGriff and Kurt Schilling, they were clutch postseason players that helped their teams win World Series titles. And to me, when you look at a guy's numbers with Kurt Schilling and Fred McGriff and say, wow, their numbers are well above average, and then when you combine that with their postseason clutchness, to me, I'm like, that's enough. They've got to go in. But Fred McGriff probably won't make it, this being his 10th and final year. Hopefully he gets elected via committee because, hey, if Harold Baines can do it, then I think anybody can do it. But Fred McGriff was a great baseball player and super clutch in the postseason. As Kurt Schilling, dude, it's like 11-2 and career in the postseason with like a 2.30 ERA. He'd give you seven, eight innings like when he absolutely had to. Bloody sock game, like huge stuff. But then I remember highlights like, Fred McGriff, dude, like in the postseason playing against like the Cleveland Indians and just, you know, hitting home runs and doubles. Like Fred McGriff has, I don't remember exactly how many postseason hits Fred McGriff has, but pretty close to half of them are of the extra base variety. So that just tells me there's not a lot of flukiness going on in there. When you look at anyone's postseason, you can say small sample size, but Fred, nearly half of Fred McGriff's postseason hits were for extra bases, meaning doubles or home runs because he never hit a triple, but this stuff is huge, man. And to me, a well above average career with a clutch postseason that gets you in the Hall of Fame. It, it does, hands down. All right, all right. Let's run down some baseball news. First and foremost, okay. So I'm on my way home from the gym, or no, not the gym, man. I'm on my way home from work yesterday. So yesterday was New Year's Eve, and I had to work a little bit. So I'm on my way home. And traffic is usually like at a standstill in Charlotte. But, you know, I don't owe you an explanation. If there's no traffic, I'm still probably watching YouTube or TV on my phone with it playing in the background. Playing in the background, I'm not going to get anyone in a wreck. But oftentimes, I'll play something on YouTube or Netflix in the background. Okay? I'm a safe driver. Don't judge me. But what happens is this. So yesterday, I I get on YouTube before I leave the parking lot. And I'm like, uh, ooh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Best promos of all time. So yes, please. Because I love listening to old 
old wrestling stuff, dude. Like, if you just want to treat yourself to something great, go to YouTube and type in Macho Man Greatest Promos or Ric Flair Greatest Promos. You're going to get great stuff. So I go the, I go the Macho Man route, and I'm getting it all, brother, the cream of the crop. Ooh, yeah, Mean Gene. You know, it's, it's awesome. And so I'm getting plenty of that. So what I figure out in part of whatever the hell's going on with this interview, Mean Gene Okerlund mentions... Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage used to be a baseball player, and I'm like, whoa, what? So, you know, while I'm driving down the road, because I'm that kind of sports journalist, you know, I put my life on the line for stories, I Google search uh, Macho Man Baseball, and I get all kinds of stuff about this guy, and apparently Macho Man, straight out of high school, he wasn't drafted, um, but he was a catcher and an outfielder, and after he wasn't drafted, him and his dad drove from northern Illinois, which is where Macho Man's from, to St. Louis to try out for the St. Louis Cardinals. There were like three other kids there all trying out for the St. Louis Cardinals. And guess what? The only player that day that the St. Louis Cardinals signed, you betcha, Randall Mario Poffo, a.k.a. Macho Man Randy Savage. Yes, my friend, the cream of the crop will rise to the top. And that's exactly what happened. So Macho Man... Um, he batted like 250 or 260 with the St. Louis Cardinals. He was in their organization for like two years. The dude in high school, Macho Man, taught himself to throw left-handed and because he was a natural righty. And one of his teammates sees him one day, and he's like, Randy, what are you doing? Why are you throwing left-handed? Apparently, Macho Man was in center field just rifling with his left arm balls to home plate just by himself, man. I'm talking... He looked like Clayton Kershaw right before the World Series in Fenway Park, just throwing by himself. Right before Clayton did it, Randy Savage did it, my man. And Randy answers his friend. He goes, well, just in case the coach wants me to pitch, I can pitch with my left hand and then save my right arm for the important stuff because he was an outfielder and a catcher, and he had a rocket of an arm, apparently. And as it turns out, him being ambidextrous came quite in handy because he separated his right shoulder at a collision at home plate. Who would have thunk it? Of course, Macho Man separated his shoulder in a collision going into home plate because he's the Macho Man and just running people over, man. You know, he was always running wild, dude. He was always NWO, the Macho King, doing it all, even in minor league ball. Runs a guy over, dude, because he's the world champion. And... He could already throw left-handed, so it worked out pretty good. So then he continued to develop his skills throwing left-handed. And then by about the time 1975 came around, you know, he dropped his baseball glove and picked up a steel chair, my friends, and started wrestling. And, like, the AWA won the AWA title because Macho Man's dad was a wrestler. So, you know, wrestling was in their blood. And I, I don't know how to feel about Macho Man not making it in pro baseball because there are a lot of pros and cons to where, like, if Macho Man was a pro baseball player, because, for example, if Macho Man had had a successful baseball career, we wouldn't have the Macho Man Randy Savage ever. He would just be Randy Poffo, the baseball player. And I don't, I don't know how to feel about that, you know? Like, anytime, like, I'm ever, like, going to the gym or I'm a douchebag in front of my friends, I'm pretty much like, ooh, yeah, I'm the cream of the crop. I have to, right? Like, who doesn't want to talk like the Macho Man, wear some big glasses and wear some bright colors? So to not have the Macho Man Randy Savage would just be awful. I don't think my heart can handle it, dude. Um, and then going on to be the Macho King joining that new world order, him and Hulk Hogan and the Mega Powers, this is great stuff, dude. Um, 
But like, I'll tell you this, dude, to have Macho Man as a baseball player, dude, could you imagine? Could you imagine? Because obviously dormant, like Randy Poffo, the Macho Man, had this dormant, like Macho Man gene within him somewhere, dude. Uh, This is the wrestler who gave like the best promos ever. So I could just see him playing baseball, jacking a home run, doing a bat flip, and just giving him hell, man, hitting all kinds of double biceps. Dude, he would have flourished in the steroid era. You think Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire were big? You ever see the Macho Man? It would be crazy stuff. He would just be jacked and tan. And just being like, oh, yeah, snapping to a fastball. It would be phenomenal. So I don't know what I would have wanted. I, I figure things played out great the way they did. But Macho Man would have been one hell of a baseball player. And apparently, he could have actually been a baseball player. A lot of his stats, he was hitting twice his home run, twice the amount of home runs as the average player in his league. He was batting better than the average player in his league. Had a phenomenal arm. Hit like six triples one year, so the guy could kind of run. He's a damn good player. Real good. Um, But the determination, dude, throw with both arms, this is serious stuff, man. I'm for sure the fact that he could throw with both arms and Macho Man's determination, he would be embraced by Major League Baseball right now because he could catch and play the outfield, throw with both arms, he was prepared to pitch if he had to. I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays would love to have the Macho Man on their squad. I would want my team to sign the Macho Man Randy Savage. You understand what I mean? I mean, what he would bring to the field is you could pitch him left or right-handed, and then you could do a double switch in the middle of the inning, throw Randy. Uh, Randy Savage could literally go from pitcher, and then in today's thing where you're always getting matchups, you want a lefty on a lefty and a righty on a righty. Let's say Macho Man's pitching righty and throwing heat, and then a lefty comes up. You could bring in your good lefty, then let Macho Man go to left field or catch, and he would get to stay into the game. I know he would have been able to switch hit 100%. He could play everywhere on the field, pitch, catch, all the outfield positions. I bet he could play infield positions. I've seen him in a wrestling ring. I mean... Dude, the fly, hitting elbow drops and stuff like that, he'd be huge. I would love, dude, could you imagine if Randy, if Randy Savage, if the Macho Man was like in like a brawl because like maybe Macho Man would like intentionally bean somebody? And like, could you imagine if Hunter Strickland was Macho Man and Macho Man was pitching and Bryce Harper came at him? This would be some WWF shit. It would be wild. Bryce Harper would be out. I mean, the Macho Man would just get him, probably put him in like a sharpshooter or whatever wrestling hold he knew. I don't know what Macho Man's finisher was. Just like an elbow drop maybe or something? I don't really know. I'd have to look it up. But it was great, dude. I, I mean, it was just, he would have he been baseball's next star. He would have been Bryce Harper before Bryce Harper was Bryce Harper. Phenomenal sunglasses. Phenomenal tan, dude. Like just gun show for days, man. It'd be great. Greatest thing ever. I, I mean, he could have been both. He could have been a two-sport athlete. Like when Bo Jackson was like football and baseball and Bo would just be like, I just play football as a hobby. Like Macho Man could play baseball and then the baseball offseason, he could professional wrestle and he would be like to Shohei Otani. He would be like Bo Jackson. He would just be like, I just wrestle for hobbies. Like I beat people up for hobbies. It would be the greatest thing to have Macho Man as a baseball player and a wrestler. Get out of here. That's good stuff. All right, other baseball news. Um, as we sit right now, the baseball offseason is super boring. There's nothing happening. I think maybe like six big names have been signed. There are like over 200 free agents still that haven't been signed. And the baseball offseason is super boring. Now, um, I read, because that makes me an expert, I live my life on Twitter. 
So, so people online, man, and this is a great idea, dude, have been mentioning like how baseball should have like a timetable, a deadline for free agents. And when I first read that news, I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you have a timetable? Just let it play out. Like, who really cares? And then I realized, like, I'm a baseball fan, right? So, like, I don't really care a whole lot. Like, I would like to see more action because it's the wintertime and I get bored at work. And, like, anything I can do to, like, not work and surf the web, it's phenomenal. But I realized that, like, when you talk about enforcing, like, a deadline for free agency to where, like, maybe by January 1st, all free agents would have to be signed or something. I don't know, but I'm just kind of feeling this out in my head. And I'm kind of paying attention to that now because if you think about it, baseball's got a boring problem, meaning like most sports fans, they don't care about baseball. That's the worst place ever to be, right? If It's like John Cena said. I always think of what John Cena said. He was asked in an interview if because John Cena's always been the good guy in wrestling, and he was asked one time, they're like, Do you ever get like discouraged because people boo you? And John Cena's answer was awesome. He said, No, I don't care at all because if people cheer me, that's great, and if they boo me, that's great. But if they don't care and don't make a noise, we've got a problem because to be irrelevant is the worst place to be. And amongst like your normal average sports fan, baseball's super irrelevant, they just don't care about it, they don't love it, they don't hate it, they're just like, eh, Whatever. And that's an awful place to be. And I think I believe that's where baseball's at right now. And I get it. Baseball makes a ton of money. Their players make a ton of money. They've got a great business model. But I don't think it'll always sustain itself because as it sits right now, baseball's biggest superstar, which is Bryce Harper, isn't even as famous as like professional video gamers. Like you could take like the average 12 or 13 year old kid and they know more about professional video game players than they do about professional baseball players. A lot of kids that play Little League Baseball probably couldn't name name 10 pro baseball players. So baseball's doing great now, but long-term, like what they're doing is not gonna work. And if you think about Major League Baseball supercharging the offseason and putting deadlines on when players had to sign. I think it would be phenomenal because I forget sometimes about the baseball offseason and how it could really serve as a catalyst to get people excited about the baseball regular season. And if you had a lot of moves that had to happen and that had to happen quick, you would have all of a sudden, if, if, if you shorten the window to where people can shop, you would have a ton of not only rumors, but a bunch of, a ton of hardcore stuff that you can actually see happening. Baseball teams knowing they have to work super fast would be competing with each other nonstop, hurrying up to get the stuff done because they just can't sit on their ass and drive the prices of players down. They really have to make moves because when you've got to make moves quick, You've got to think quicker, and when you've got to think quicker, you've got to act quicker, and at that point, I think you would stimulate the free agency market because you don't have the luxury of waiting until January to try to figure things out and you know, drive the prices down of free agents or whatever. You'd actually have to make these moves and work quick and not have the luxury of sitting on your butt doing research after research after research, and you'd kind of maybe be like, oh, shit, we got to act. I got to use a little bit of gut. Let's do this stuff because I think we want Patrick Corbin, so let's move on him. And it could influence like super bidding wars, get teams to act super fast, and you would actually get an offseason that was kind of like the NBA, one that's super fun. Like, free agency started like two days after the World Series, and that was like the very beginning of November. I'm pretty sure when basketball's offseason starts, I mean, it is supercharged, and moves happen quick. 
there's a lot of talk, a lot of teams bidding for guys, a lot of people wanting to sign guys like LeBron James and stuff. And if you created this shorter timeline when that could get done, you would like inject this like hurriedness into the teams to where they had to act fast and they couldn't just sit on their butts. And I think with a shorter timeline, you'd have more competition to sign free agents. You would have more news and it could help to influence the regular season because when fans, when you've got really good sports stories where here's what's going to happen. If you had a month's time, I'd say the World Series ended in November, and you had all of November and all of December to sign Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. In that shorter timeline, I know there would be more teams fighting for that in that short window because they would have to act now. More teams would be acting now. That would be great for the regular season because you would get fans pumped up in the offseason, kind of like what happens in the NBA. It would be huge. So for sure, when it comes, I think Major League Baseball needs to focus more focus a lot on their off-season stuff, things that happen in the off-season, you know, get a lot of hype, you know, like I always love what, you know, Vince McMahon does with WWE, you know, tons of like just good content when it comes to hyping fans up right before WrestleMania or the Royal Rumble to build these storylines through, you know, the videos and like the trailers that they build for a movie. I remember always watching like before like WrestleMania 14, you'd have tons of these hype videos with Stone Cold and Mike Tyson and Shawn Michaels. And if MLB could do that in the offseason and really start to build that hype around a hurried, rushed, hectic free agency that provided fans with a ton of news versus just trying to figure out when these 200 free agents are going to sign and then further hype fans in the offseason about what's to come, I think Major League Baseball would do themselves a ton of good just to, you know, just to build hype around the regular season. And that would start with, you know, building a lot of hype in the off season with free agents, shortening the window that teams can sign free agents. Therefore just building more hype, more demand, more action with the fans and what they see because things have to happen now. It's like a drama movie. You know, you could essentially turn major league baseball free agency into freaking Argo. You ever watch the movie Argo with Ben Affleck? It gives me anxiety Every time I watch it, because Argo's definitely a movie you can watch over and over again, and it's like, holy crap, it is so tense and stressful. Like, I want Major League Baseball to be just as tense as Bird Box on Netflix. Like, that is a tense show. And, like, do that to free agency. Do that with the baseball season, man. It's, dude, I think it'd be great, man. So off-season work would be huge for baseball, and hopefully you know, post-CBA or whatever it is, you know, because the new collective bargaining agreement, I think, is after the 2021 season. I'd love to see baseball do more in the offseason with building hype with fans. It'd be great. And I think shortening the window for free agency and putting a timeline on when teams could sign free agents or whatever, I think would be huge. Man, it's like the trade deadline, right? There's a deadline on the trade deadline, and that is a ton of excitement when the trade deadline happens. I love that. And you would essentially have a trade deadline and a signing deadline like in the offseason. And one of the best times all year in baseball is the freaking trade deadline. It'd be huge. MLB, do it. I love it. Other baseball news, CeCe Sabathia, 38-year-old CeCe Sabathia entering his, I think he's 38. He might be 39. I think he's 38. He's entering his last season in Major League Baseball. He signed a one-year, $8 million contract with the Yankees. This offseason, he got a stent put in his heart, a stent. He had heart surgery. And now after heart surgery, he's going to come out and pitch. 
Holy crap. CeCe Sabathia is officially old man strong. You know what I'm talking about. I got a dad. My dad's like 60 years old. He'd kick my ass right now because he's just like country tough. And that's officially CeCe Sabathia. CeCe Sabathia has proven to me two things. He's done two things in the last year that make me want to call CeCe Sabathia a, Hall, a future Hall of Famer because he's a phenomenal left-handed pitcher. And he's he's for sure like a top. Dude, I wouldn't be so... He's... he's higher he's got to be at least a top 15 lefty of all time maybe even better than a top 15 lefty of all time but i'm telling you with cc he's done two things that tell me he's got to be a future hall of famer one he has heart surgery in the offseason which he just had if you get a stent put in and then go out and just start pitching and play a full 162 game baseball year dude you're a you're old man tough son i'm talking take that belt off and just beat someone's ass with it like he'll fight you in a parking lot i would believe it man i wouldn't touch him and you know how i know that because the second thing cc sabathia did was hit a guy so like they're, the Yankees were playing the Tampa Bay Rays like at the end of last season, and CeCe Sabathia was like two innings short of getting a half a million dollar bonus, and he was well on his way because he was shutting the Rays down. Yankees had 11, 11 to nothing lead, dude. But apparently, like one of the Tampa Bay Rays pitchers hit like CeCe's catcher. So CeCe's like, I'll show you. I'm, he's pissed, man. CeCe fought for his team, literally sacrifices half a million dollars, top of the sixth inning, pitch number one, puts it in a dude's hip on Tampa Bay, immediately gets kicked out of the game. He walks to the dugout, gyrates, grabs his balls, and says, like, come at me, and literally spends half a million dollars because his catcher got hit. Dude, put him in the Hall of Fame, man. He's old man tough. He'll throw a baseball at you for half a million dollars. Who does that, dude? I won't. I won't loan someone 20 bucks. Like, hell no. Like, if you want to borrow 75 cents from me for the vending machine, bro, I'm going to need that money back ASAP. But CC gladly was like, half a million dollars, don't care. I'm going to put one in your hip because you hit my pitcher. Now, the Yankees, the Yankees did the all-time classy move. They paid him the half a million dollar bonus this offseason, even though he didn't hit the inning count, because he's a man and he's a team player. And I'm just telling you, man, CC, dude, this is nuts. Heart surgery, he's old man tough, dude. He's like farmer tough, dude. This guy's wild. Love it. Otherwise, you know, other news in the thing, um, Dallas Keuchel's still a free agent. The Phillies said they do not want to sign him to a five-year offer, and that makes sense, you know. Dallas Keuchel signing a contract is very comparable to Jake Arrieta last year. I would not pay Dallas Keuchel any more than three years at $75 million. He's just like Jake Arrieta, man. He's not your 2015 Cy Young winner. He's like a 32-year-old dude who's probably worth three years and $75 million, dude. This whole baseball thing, the CBA needs to be redone, man, because... You know, I don't think Major League Baseball teams would have a problem. Major League Baseball teams, I truly don't believe that they have a problem paying guys. Like, do they want to run as efficiently as possible? And will they fight you in arbitration? Sure, but they're a business. But here's what happens, man. Look at Albert Pujols, seven years and $240 million. He's hamstringing the Angels right now, and the Angels will never compete with Mike Trout because of Albert Pujols' dumb contract. And I think Josh Hamilton's dumb contract just came off the books as well, like last year. So it's there's no way I signed Dallas Keuchel for more than three years and $75 million. I probably I don't think he's as good of a pitcher as Arietta right now. I'd, his stuff's not as nasty, dude. But a five-year deal for Dallas Keuchel is not going to happen, dude. Um, JT Realmuto, he's still a Miami Marlin. There's a lot of talk about... 
teams trading like big names. Like I think there was a rumor out there about the Mets moving Noah Syndergaard for JT Realmuto, which would be like the dumbest trade in the world. Like JT's like the best catcher that like I think could be had. But for example, like if um, the the Marlins have talked to the Astros a little bit, and the Marlins want like one or two of the Astros like top prospects, like a guy named Kyle Tucker and Forrest Whitley for JT Realmuto. Listen, JT had a good season last year, but he's a catcher, dude. I remember when Giovanni Soto was Rookie of the Year for the Cubs and had a phenomenal rookie campaign, and you'd be like, holy crap, this catcher's the shit. But catchers fade, dude. Catchers are just like, I mean, really, Major League Baseball players can fade or whatever. But to me, like, catchers are kind of like starting pitchers, you know? Like, I don't like Patrick Corbin's six-year, $140 million deal with the Nationals because, I mean— Look on the back of Corbin's baseball card. Like, he's got good stuff. I just don't know if he can execute it year in and year out. And I look at that with JT Real Muto. I'm like, he was good last year. But other than that, like, just get you a prospect catcher and build him up. Because catchers can be good for a couple years. But it's such a volatile pitcher. You know, get, get, trading, like, Noah Syndergaard for a catcher is like, you know, trading top prospects for prospect catchers. Like, they may look good for, like, a year. Then after they have a bunch of surgeries, they're toast. And it's like that with the catcher position. Unless you're Yachty Molina or Buster Posey. Like, Wilson Contreras was, like, the talk of the town as a catcher. He sucked last year and might not ever be good. Kind of like Giovanni Soto, man. Catchers break down. The catching position's a hard spot to fill. And it's a very volatile position. So when it comes to Real Muto, I don't know if he'll ever leave Miami because Miami wants too much. And I think teams are smarter than that. But if a team gives up a top prospect for JT Real Muto, they're probably stupid. So he's still available. Obviously, it seems I think Manny Machado is going to be a Yankee to get the other news. Um, he said he was going to announce his decision on which team he was going to go to after the new year. Well, today's January 1st. He loves New York, dude. At the All-Star game last year, his nephew, which I think is like Yonder Alonso's son, was saying he wanted his uncle to go to New York. Manny wants to go to New York. Manny's built for New York. You know, Miguel Andahar is good. And Miguel Andahar would be a phenomenal trade chip because when Didi comes back, they'd put Didi at short, Manny at third, move Miguel Andahar and get good stuff because Miguel Andahar is phenomenal. He's a crappy defender. He's not great, but he's got a good Batman. Damn good bat. He's a doubles machine. He hits for power. He would be good for sure. And other no news, let me think what I got. Bryce Harper, we don't really know, man. Oh, shoot. Uh, this morning, Manny Machado followed the Yes Network, which is the Yankees TV network. I don't know what that means or not, but, um, you know, he's following the Yankees network, so maybe he's just getting ready, you know, be, becoming friends with the Yankee media. And it's kind of like Bryce Harper. MLB published a tweet that said, are the Dodgers the favorite for Bryce Harper? And Bryce Harper liked it. Now that's going to tell us a lot, you know, but Bryce Harper also had a conversation with White Sox outfielder Nikki Delmonico, commented on Nikki's status. So that's huge, too, if that tells us anything. Maybe he goes to the south side. Maybe he goes to L.A. Or maybe Theo Epstein can trade Jason Hayward's big contract and he can come to Chicago. I don't know. The Cubs are in trouble, though, man. The Cubs really, they don't have, they're maxed out on, you know. what, Dude, they've just spent too much money on stupid stuff. So that whole situation in Chicago doesn't look too good. I think right now if you get uh, the Andrew Miller that you can get, and Paul Goldsmith that you will get. I think the Cardinals right now, they're my pick to win the NL Central. The Cubs second, the Brewers third. I don't worry about the Brewers at all, even though they 
made it to the NLCS last year and won the division. I'd, they're not good, man. They're not going to be good long-term. The Brewers just don't impress me at all. They don't impress me at all. So I look, no matter what, number one and two in the NL Central, it's going to be Cubs-Cardinals or Cardinals-Cubs. I think right now to be uh, Cardinals-Cubs because I like Jack Flaherty. I like the moves they're making. I like their pitching. I like the bullpen moves that they're making. Paul Goldschmidt's going to be huge for him. Andrew Miller, the guy that did Andrew Miller's like knee surgeries in the past or something, now works for the Cardinals, and he's like, "Listen, Andrew Miller's knees a non." Um, he said Andrew Miller's knees like a non-factor. Andrew's ready to pitch, and you're going to get something I think pretty close to vintage Miller at least this year, which I think is going to be huge. And Andrew Miller can totally shut down the NL Central out of the bullpen, and then Jordan Hicks, he. Throws 105, dude, so that's weird. But he throws really hard, a little harder than a roll this Chapman. So, yeah, man, just NL Central, be careful, man. So that's all I got to say. Oh, shoot, also on the NL Central, the Reds, man, the Reds I think are going to contend, dude. The Reds got that trade because uh, the Dodgers cleared a lot of payroll space and outfield for presumably what would be a Bryce Harper contract. So the Reds now have Alex Wood, who was like a 16-game winner in 2017 with like a one, like a high one or a low two ERA. And last year, Alex Wood threw like, shoot, 150 or 160 innings with like a low three ERA. Alex Wood's a damn good lefty. The Reds got Tanner Roark, who's a, well, he's a workhorse, man. He's a good pitcher. He had a phenomenal 2016 Tanner, didn't he? He's had productive, he's been productive for the last two years. He'll throw to a high ERA, but he'll give you innings, man. He's a tough dude. And then they got Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp. Matt Kemp had a resurgence last year, and I love Puig, dude. Yasiel Puig, man, I can tell you this. He wasn't happy in L.A., and a lot of people hate Puig. Most baseball fans I talk to, they don't like Yasiel Puig. They don't like his attitude or the way he acts. But listen, Yasiel Puig is a fun player to watch. Tons of Dodgers fans on Twitter were like, oh, my God, I can't believe the Dodgers traded Yasiel Puig because if you go to the stadium, most people, the most worn jersey is a Yasiel Puig jersey. The most cheers come out for Yasiel Puig. Fans love Puig, and what that's going to do is Yasiel Puig can bring fans to that ballpark, the Great American Ballpark in Cincy. Puig can bring fans out. Puig can light a fire in that dugout, and when you look at the Reds, they had a phenomenal offense last year. So now if you're looking at Puig Kemp on top of Joey Votto, Scott Schebler, uh, Scooter Jeanette, They've uh their big bats not like Matt Lorenzen, the relief pitcher who's jacked out of his mind. Yeah, he's like the macho man of the Reds. He's yoked, he can pitch okay, but it's like pinch hit home runs and he's a pitcher, dude. The Reds look good too, man. The Reds, I don't know if they'd ever overtake the Brewers, but I've seen weirder stuff in baseball, man. You're gonna crucify me for that, dude. But the Brewers don't impress me, man. End of story. Don't hold your breath on them, guys. Otherwise, if you're looking for your team to make some big moves, um, go to MLB Trade Rumors, man. They've got some top free agents that are listed right now that are still available. Outside of uh, Harper Machado, you've got Dallas Keuchel. Uh, No one should pay him five years at all. Craig Kimbrell wanted $100 million, but he was so shaky towards the end of last year. That's not going to happen. In my eyes, Craig Kimbrell doesn't even deserve a role as Chapman money because he's not as good of a closer as a role as Chapman is. So... To, I, I don't know how long Kimbrough. Kimbrough's not going to get six years, which is what he wanted. I don't think Kimbrough's going to get five. I think someone will sign him for four. He ain't going to get... Orlis Chapman got five years at 86. Maybe Craig Kimbrough gets four years at like 70 or something. I don't know. Yasmani Grandal, he was awful 
in the postseason for like the Dodgers last year when it counted in the World Series. But apparently he's a good catcher and had a great offensive year last year. But apparently Grandall turned down a four-year, $60 million offer from the Mets. Drug test that guy, man. He should have taken that contract. He ain't going to get anything better. A.J. Pollock, I think he's a good defender. I'm not really super pumped about him at all. Marwin Gonzalez, I like, dude. He's a phenomenal switch-hitting utility guy who can hit for power. It would be awesome to see Marwin Gonzalez go to, like, the Rockies or something. That's where Daniel Murphy's at, man. Daniel Murphy's for the Rockies. And I love the Daniel Murphy signing because he's just a wise hitter, man. He's like the Albert Einstein of hitter, dude. He's a student, and he studies. I love him for any clubhouse he goes in, especially for the Rockies. Because the Rockies, you know, they got bounced from the NLDS last year, you know, against the Brewers or whatever. But I dig that, man. Uh, relievers that your team might want to look at besides Craig Kimbrell. If Craig Kimbrell's going to cost so much, I'd probably rather have Adam Ottavino. That's what you've got. You've got Zach Britton, David Robertson, and Adam Ottavino, who you can sign for less years and less money. And I would for sure rather have two of those guys compared to one Craig Kimbrell because they're just so damn good. David Robertson can close games out for you. Zach Britton can for sure close games out for you. Take advantage of Britton being hurt and his price driving down. Get Britton, man. Jet Lowry was a phenomenal second base last year for the Oakland Athletics. Dude, I loved going to that stadium, man. Gio Gonzalez is a free agent. DJ LeMayhew. DJ LeMayhew's really not predicted to be any good. He won a batting title a couple of years ago, but other than that, I think he sucks. I wouldn't sign him at all. Mike Moustakas, he's a free swinger, man. Cody Allen, former reliever for the uh, Indians. Otherwise, man, I would say some of my favorite free agents that haven't been signed yet. Kelvin Herrera, I think he could be good, and I think he could be had for cheap. He came over to the Nationals from the Kansas City Royals last year. I could see that being okay, but I love Britton, David Robertson, Adam Montevino, Tommy Canely, I think is a free agent too. He uh, was a Yankees reliever. I dig that, but I guess, man... I don't know, dude, who I really like free agent-wise. Um, I probably like the idea for sure. And I think one thing that slows free agent signings down is the trade market because there's really a lot to be had out there in the trade market, probably a lot of better stuff under some circumstances than signing a free agent. Who knows, man? I'm curious to see if the Phillies get one of their big fish. I'm super curious to know if the White Sox – sign any of these guys, man. They're kind of in up in the running for, I think, Harper and Machado. Who knows? They might land Keuchel, too. It's a lot. A lot that could happen. Okay, let me go through the last final list of what free agents. If you need a catcher that's available, if you need a catcher, if your team does, I like uh, Martin Maldonado, man. He's 32. He, he's a good defensive catcher, man. I like him. I think he could teach a young catcher a lot. So he'd be a good catcher to have. First baseman... If you need a first baseman, Mark Reynolds had kind of a resurgence last year, but I don't know if he'd be that good at all. Um, Logan Morrison, dude, had a crappy 2018, but a pretty damn decent 2017. I don't know. If you need a platoon guy, I could see Logan Morrison, you know, yoking some balls for you. I know the Angels got Justin Bohr, which I think is pretty good. Um, Hanley Ramirez is still available. Yeah, whatever. If you need a second baseman, dude, um, I don't like DJ LeMahieu. I despise Brian Dozier. I think he's got an awful attitude. Oh, second baseman. Jed Lowry, man. I think I like Jed Lowry. He played through about a five war last year. And since he's already 35, he wouldn't be expecting a ton of years, you know. But I also like Josh Harrison, too, man. He's a free agent over from the Pirates, dude. He'd be a good guy probably to sign, man. I dig that. Third baseman. I like Mike Moustakas, man. He had a 2.4 war last year. He can whack for power, so that's a pretty good thing. 
uh, Ryan Flaherty, I think he was a guy from the Rockies. I probably wouldn't go with him, man. I'd say probably all I really like for third base is probably Mike Moustakis, man, you know. Chase Headley, I think Chase Headley was, I think people kind of liked him at one point, but he sucks. Short stops, I like Manny Machado. Uh, Danny Echeverria, phenomenal defensive shortstop, I believe he's available. I like him, man. Also, Troy Tulowitzki, dude, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays dumped him. So your team can sign Troy Tulowitzki for the minimum. That'd be interesting. Who knows where he'll go. If you need a left fielder, man, left fielders that I like. Oh, shoot, Hunter Pence is a free agent. That's cool. I like Matt Holiday, man. I like Matt Holiday as a teammate and as a person and as a hitter. Love Matt Holiday. Barwin Gonzalez, MLB.com has him listed as a left fielder. He can probably play pretty much anywhere, dude. So like Holiday, I like Marwin Gonzalez, man. Center fielders. AJ Pollock had a 2.5 war. You could probably get him for cheap, man. I don't think he really has a lot of leverage to sign for a ton of money. So whatever, dude. Adam Jones is out there. He's a phenomenal teammate, but his his productions kind of went down a little bit. As far as right fielders, I love, love the Philadelphia Phillies signing Andrew McCutcheon, man. He's a phenomenal guy. He's got ability. He's got the ability to perform a lot better than what he has in a couple years. His uh, news conference with signing with the Phillies, he says he truly believes that he can bring back some of that old school vintage Andrew McCutcheon, and I think he's right, man. He was a he was like a two-and-a-half win player last year, and with his attitude and his personality, dude, he's going to be phenomenal for the Phillies clubhouse, dude, and I think the talent can still be there. Love Philly signing of McCutcheon, man. Super important signing. I dig it. But guys that are available and right besides like Bryce Harper, uh, ah, whatever. Avi Garcia, he was a zero-win player for the White Sox last year, and he's pretty intriguing, man, because he had a very interesting 2017 because um, he had a high batting average for a lot of the year. Man, I'd be curious. A team signing Avi Garcia can maybe get him for a good price. Maybe it wouldn't be super risky, and they can see what he can do. Otherwise, you've got Nick Markakis, who had a great year for the Braves last year. He was an all-star for, I think, the first time. And then you've also got Carlos Gonzalez out of Colorado, man. Those could be two intriguing right field pieces. Other than that, man, one free agent I love is Matt Davidson. Matt Davidson has hit for power the past couple years for the Chicago White Sox, and I shit you not, Matt Davidson can pitch. Matt Davidson is a position player. He's a pretty big dude for the Chicago White Sox. Like I said, good power numbers past couple years, low batting average, kind of like Adam Dunn, but a little less. Probably a lot less. He's not really hitting 40 home runs, but whatever. Matt Davidson doesn't have a super high batting average, and he can hit you about 25 home runs a year. Matt Davidson, position player, for the White Sox, struck out legit, struck out Giancarlo Stanton last year. He pitched two or three innings last year and didn't give up any runs at all, man. And I think there's a rumor that, like, there's talk that teams could legit use Matt Davidson as a two-way player to pitch and hit. I would love to see Matt Davidson do that next year, dude. I'm fully, fully on board with the two-way player in Major League Baseball. Guys like Brendan McKay, Shohei Otani, obviously, Brendan McKay's in the Tampa Bay race system. They also have another guy, Tanner Dudley, Tanner something, that the Tampa Bay race have. And Tampa Bay, between Tanner, whatever his last name is, and Brendan McKay, they're legit working on two two-way players in their system, and they're going to both come up no later than 2021. But I would love to see Matt Davidson become a two-way player. He'd be a great signing for a team. And then otherwise... um. 
I guess that's probably about it. The starting pitcher list, dude, I love the Charlie Morton signing in Tampa Bay. Maybe Matt Davidson will go to Tampa Bay. Dallas Keuchel's still available. Not super impressed by him. Um, at least for what he's wanting. Uh, dude, Dallas Keuchel's for sure worth three years and $75 million. Not for any more than that, man. Jeremy Hellickson had pretty productive starts last year for the Washington Nationals. He's available. Brett Anderson, he's heard a lot. Edwin Jackson, maybe he'll sign like with his umpteenth team this year for sure. Former top prospect Shelby Miller is available. But starting pitchers that I love that are still available, man, maybe Clay Buckholes. I like Wade Miley. Wade Miley had a pretty good, he had a good playoff run last year, I feel like, with the Brewers. A good end of the year run with the Brewers. So pitching-wise that are still available, man, I think I like Clay Buckholes a little bit. I really like Wade Miley. I like Dallas Keuchel for three years at 75, not for five years, and that's probably it, man. But otherwise, you know, Bartolo Colon, he's 46. He's ready to pitch, so see what happens with that next year. (laughs) So Bartolo Colon's probably going to pitch next year. Super stoked for it. Dude, other than that, man, we went over some relievers. Let's just close this show out, man. Thanks for listening. I'll stop the ranting. Thanks for listening for the whole show. Greatest show on dirt coming from the Sweet Bee Studios. You guys have a phenomenal new year, and I will catch you next time.